Hi everyone, welcome to Amp Up Autism. I'm Tabitha, your autism mom professional. I'm a registered dietitian, physician assistant, advocate, educator, author, creator, you name it, I'm it. But most important, I'm an autism mom who knows the struggle is real. My most exciting accomplishment was finding the missing piece of the puzzle that converted my son from nonverbal to verbal. With just a simple diet change, it was amazing and it changed our lives beyond measure. Do you have a child with autism? If so, I have no doubt that this podcast is for you. Welcome back and thank you for joining me today. I'm Tabitha, your autism mom professional with a mission to open eyes and change lives throughout the world. This is season two, episode number one. The last time we connected was just before school started in mid-August and I hope that transition went well for everyone. Well, let me backtrack and give you an update because for me, it was crazy. I actually wanna start by first apologizing to all my listeners for my absence From my original date to resume this podcast, my family and I were battling COVID since Labor Day in early September, and it was crazy. My son wasn't able to start school on time, and my weeks were totally thrown off. I was more under the weather than anyone in the house. So even though my discussions were planned for recording, I was coughing so much I couldn't finish a full sentence. Of course, I was drinking hot tea with all the essentials, lemon, honey, garlic, red onion, you name it. And it was delish. It really helped. But the problem was hot tea makes my voice so hoarse. I sound like a man, literally. So my voice is still not totally up to par. It gets dry really, really fast. But overall, I'm feeling much better. And I'm going to pick up this podcast where we left off. I'm actually even going to try to play catch up to fill in the gaps from the time lost. But for those of you who don't know about podcasting, it is a time intensive job that requires gathering supporting data, organizing your thoughts, recording, editing, and then finally posting, which takes all but two seconds. But the process is labor intensive. So don't hold me to it, but I am most definitely going to try my best to catch up. So yeah, our last discussion was in the summer, mid-August, and that was my pilot podcast, or trial, if you will. So technically, that was my season one, because that's when I started, summer of 2022. So if it's your first time listening and you haven't heard my initial summer podcast, I urge you to go back and take a listen to them so you can stay in the loop and catch up on all the good information that I shared. But here's a quick recap on the summer podcast that you may have missed. On week one, July 26th, that was my initial podcast where I introduced myself, talked about parents and mental health, and introduced my new book, No Cross, No Crown, A Journey Through Autism, Bullying, and Spiritual Warfare. I also gave a glimpse into my personal journey. On week two, July 16th, that was Merry Christmas, Your Son Has Autism. That's when I defined autism, talked about the statistics, and I shared my personal story about how my son was diagnosed. On week three, August 9th, the discussion was on the top 10 critical steps to take when a child is diagnosed with autism. And I talked about how I was able to get my nonverbal son to speak. 
Oh, and if you go to my website at TabithaInspired.com, you will see under podcast that there's a short video clip of my son during the initial stages when he started talking. And finally, on week four, August 16th, I discussed the top five offending foods in autism, and we looked at allergies. So again, if you haven't had a chance to check those out, make sure you check them out after this podcast so you can stay in the loop. So since August and September are the months that we prepare for our kiddos to go back to school, I decided to have a series on school and education and what school environment is best for children with autism. So today we're going to start our series on the education system because outside of the diagnosis of autism, that's where the meat separates from the bones. Now, when I say the meat, I'm talking about the heart of beating this diagnosis versus the bones, which offers a lot less but includes a lot more struggle. That's my own analogy that I made up, so I'm going to claim it. Now, remember, there's a disclaimer with every single podcast I post because outside of the factual information that I present, much of the information I am presenting comes from my personal experience, which I can back up with facts and solid documentation. So trust me, there is nothing like information from a personal experience. That's what makes it a journey. But not everyone's journey is or will be the same. So that's where the disclaimer comes in. So in this series, we're going to talk about the pros and cons of the public school education, the pros and cons of the private school education, the pros and cons of homeschooling, the pros and cons of a private faith-based education. We'll talk about IEPs, my nightmares with my own personal school experiences with my children, and I'm going to give you my personal opinion about what I think may be the best choice. So, of course, that's way too much information to absorb in one podcast. So that's why we're going to break this down into a series. So we're going to start by talking about the pros and cons of the public school education. And this is a topic that many parents debate on because when your child is diagnosed with autism, one of the top priorities is education and making sure that child receives the best education and resource services available to meet their specific needs. So let's just dive right on in and talk about public school education. So first, what does public school actually mean and what do they actually offer? Well, in the U.S., basically, it's what it sounds like. Public school is simply public school offered to the public and it's maintained by the public. You know, those school taxes that you pay. A percentage of those taxes are funds that are designated specifically for public schools and for some qualified private schools. And these funds are budgeted to the local education agency through the local government budget. So when and if you hear parents complaining about things they don't like happening within the public school system, they have every right to complain because if the public school is providing their child's education, A percentage of that parent's hardworking tax dollars are paying for that school to operate. So yeah, the parent's concerns need to be heard. Now, let's take a closer look at public schools that offer special education in the United States. Now, public schools in general are required to comply with the federal IDEA, which is the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or you may have heard it called IDEA or IDEA. So under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, this is a law that says public schools must provide a free, appropriate public education. So this IDEA law 
is one of the most important legal rights that a child with a disability has because it requires that the public school offer every child with a disability FAPE, which again is the free appropriate public education and in the least restrictive environment for every child with a disability, or I like to say a different ability, who is in the school district's jurisdiction regardless of that person's ability. So what is the least restrictive environment? Well, a least restrictive environment is pretty much an environment that doesn't have a lot of restrictions. So if a child is in public school versus a private school, the private school is going to be more restrictive because number one, it's gonna cost money. Number two, they're only going to have certain peers around them. Number three, it's not gonna offer that option for mainstreaming into a typical classroom. Whereas the public school serves the general population, even though they have a classroom specified for students with special needs, those students still have an opportunity to mainstream in certain areas like for lunch or resource activities, or it may be even in a regular typical classroom that that child may function well in. But the key here is it must meet the child's unique needs. So for example, if a child with a different ability exhibits behavior problems, the school can either make a recommendation or the parent can request that the school completes a functional behavior assessment and develop a behavior intervention plan, which will become a part of that student's IEP, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And remember, schools will only take official reports or assessments. Every assessment that's done on that child has to be done either by a licensed psychologist or a board-certified behavior therapist or whatever certified person in that area that needs to be assessed. Then they take their data and make recommendations based on their findings. And if necessary, they will suggest or recommend additional services for that child. Now, one thing to keep in mind is if these behaviors are seen only at home and not observed in the school setting or on the bus, which is technically a part of the school system, then the likelihood is you're going to have to pay for outside services because the school will only intervene if the child is having difficulty in an area that is affecting their education at school. The reality is it's all about money because remember, school districts have to pay for all these extra accommodations and make room in their budget to accommodate these children. Why? Because it's required that they meet that child's needs. So if they don't see a particular behavior at school, trust and believe they are not going to try to pay for it. Another big example for students with significant behavior challenges is that child may be best served in a residential school. Now, believe it or not, that is an option for that child because my son attends an amazing residential school out of state and I do not pay a dime. Granted, I had to advocate my tail off for him, but we're going to talk about advocating in the future. Now, some other services that are offered through the public school system are any services that are special or related services that are associated with a specific need such as speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, talked about behavior therapy. Also, if the child requires any special devices, such as an iPad for learning at school or to complete homework at home, maybe a talk and type device, special equipment for adaptive learning, for ADL, such as special eating utensils, any specific service or item that's required for that child to excel educationally or any service that is required 
any part of that student's school day or activities for daily living, those services must be provided to those students to be in alignment with the standards to receive funding to sustain that school and school district as a public school. Now, a common question is, what if my school district doesn't have the services that my child needs? Do I need to move? Absolutely not. If you're a resident in a county zoned for a specific school within that district that does not offer the services necessary for your child to succeed, it is the school district's responsibility to find a comparable school that will meet your child's needs, even if they have to bus your child to another county or send your child out of state like they did my son. So don't let anyone tell you it can't be done. That's what they told me. But my county pays for the out-of-state placement and the residential piece, which is not even a part of his education. But think about it. They couldn't bust my son three plus hours out of state every day to school and return from school. That's six hours. That's a waste of resources. Do you know how much gas it would cost to bus him to school and back home every single day? Do you know how taxing that would be on the driver? Do you know how taxing that would be on the child? By the time they get home, it's almost time for them to go back to school again. He would get no homework done, nothing. He'd just be too tired from the ride alone. And think about the liability involved. But this is what was required to meet his specific needs. I hope this information is helping somebody right now. So now let's take a closer look at FAPE. F-A-P-E, Free Appropriate Public Education, and what it really means and what it really looks like. And is it the best service when it comes to special education or any education for that matter? So when we specifically look at special education within the public school system, well, it's the most affordable because it's free. But is free always better? So what is a free appropriate public education? It's exactly what it says. It's free. It's appropriate. Well, at least it's supposed to be appropriate. And it's a public education. But now let's look at the fine unwritten print. Yes, all of these things may apply and are being offered, but what if the child is not actually taking advantage of it for whatever reason? I'm going to use my daughter as a prime example who was bullied terribly in the school system to the point that she was later diagnosed with major depression and was ultimately hospitalized on numerous occasions. Now, my daughter had just made the honor roll that first quarter. But now she's categorized as emotionally disturbed. What happened? Well, the problem was the bullying protocol was not being followed by the school administration. Even with all of her reports of being bullied and all of my complaints, the administration treated the situation as if it were nothing. And because of that, she was left in a position where she was spending more time defending herself than she did actually learning. This is when I complain because I'm paying my tax dollars to this school system that is ignoring their own bullying protocol, but yet they are advertising the school as zero bullying tolerance. I don't get it. So I use the proper protocol to complain by going through the principal, the superintendent, the county, and then to the State Board of Education. Now, keep in mind, the only reason my daughter had this new mental health diagnosis was because of the incompetent staff who couldn't read well enough to follow the bullying protocol. 
So my point here is the state said in their response that my daughter was being provided FAPE. Yes, it was free. It was public and it was an education, but it was far from appropriate because the school is supposed to provide a conducive environment for learning and not addressing bullying complaints and not following the bullying protocol put her in an environment that was not safe. So she was actually not being provided FAPE because the education was not appropriate. So now let's look at some of the other requirements for students with special needs in the public school system. They must have an IEP, which stands for an Individual Education Plan. This is the binding legal document that is the cornerstone of a quality education for a child with a disability. So the IEP is what's going to map out the specific goals and objectives that describe what the child will learn and focus on during the school year. It specifies the expectations of the student and how the goals will actually be accomplished. So the specific need for each student varies, but designated staff are required to carry out the documented plan to assist the student with accomplishing their goals. So if even one of these IEP goals could not be achieved by this school, that means the school is not suitable for placement. Now, it doesn't mean that the school is required for accomplishing the goal, but they have to be able to provide the resources available for the student to be able to achieve the goal. And if they can't, then the school is not a suitable placement unless they can make special accommodations to meet that child's needs. So at the end of these IEP meetings, the parent has always provided a copy of the action plan, which are measurable goals and objectives for that child. Now, there's one thing that parents do get twisted. Even though it's the school's responsibility to provide these services, the school can't guarantee 100% that the child will reach the goal, either because of compliance reasons or behaviors or whatever the reason may be. Parent also needs to take an active role in that child's education by working with their child at home. So the goals and objectives are there to help the parent to help their child. Don't wait till the last minute. If you know the goals, test your child's abilities and see where they are with that goal. And if your child doesn't have a clue what they're doing or saying, then that's when you need to call a meeting with that teacher and take an active role in advocating because you want to know exactly what strategy are they using because whatever they're doing isn't working. So maybe we need to start looking at another approach. So one really good perk about public schools is they are required to have certified teachers. That may sound like a no-brainer, but private schools in some states do not require teachers to be certified. And they're teaching the same level of information that licensed teachers are teaching. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because some teachers who may not have their certification Actually, I found were better teachers than the ones that were certified. But that was a very unique situation. But we're going to talk about private schools a little bit later. Now, certified teachers are trained to be able to identify a child who has a learning difference or some other undiagnosed different ability. I'm talking about a typical child who's going to school, doesn't have an IEP, but the teacher identifies a problem with their learning. That teacher is in a position to speak with the parent, call an IEP meeting so that that child can be evaluated. And if that evaluation concludes that the child does have a different ability, then the school develops an individualized education plan or IEP that includes specific academic goals for that child. 
Now, even though public schools are the least restrictive environment, they do have special education classes, which include a smaller group of students. This is a good thing because it offers an opportunity for more one-to-one instruction. But being in that public school setting also provides an opportunity for those students to interact with typical peers. There's even an opportunity to mainstream some of these students into a regular general education classroom for certain subjects. But the parent has to be proactive and request that. And that's huge because when a child is only around students with learning differences and who may demonstrate atypical behaviors and that's all they see, that's what they may mimic. So if you know that your child is good in math, but maybe not good in all those other subjects, that child should be able to be in a general education classroom for that math class. Why can't the child be assigned a one-to-one aid so that they can participate in that class successfully? They have that right if you really take a serious look at FAPE. If that special education math class is below their level and they're above that level, that child should be in the appropriate classroom for that math. Special education students can also participate in art, music, computer classes, choir, band, whatever. If it's a subject where everyone is starting off fresh and the child has the ability to learn, they should not have to stay in the special ed classroom for every single subject. And this is going to do five things for that child. Maybe more, but these are the five I can think of. First, it's going to give them a sense of inclusion, which is huge for these children. Second, it's going to increase their confidence and self-esteem. Third, it's going to increase their range of socialization to develop peer relationships. Fourth, it gives them an opportunity to develop real friendships. And five, it's going to make them want to work harder to try to stay up to par so they can be included and be with their typical peers, which can be a great role model for them to mimic typical behaviors. So let's look at some of the cons of the public school system. Well, we mentioned one already, and that's, you know, schools don't always do what they're supposed to do. Are the IEP goals and objectives really being followed? I have some nightmares to share with you that will totally blow you out the water. Second, Parent concerns are not always addressed appropriately. Sometimes they're blatantly ignored, and that's when the parent has to step up to the plate and really get active by writing letters, emails, whatever it is that you have to do to get your complaint taken seriously. Third, is the child's true ability really being assessed so that they could possibly function in some of the areas that are less restrictive than that special needs classroom. Sometimes this is not done because it's easier for the staff to keep the child in that same special education environment all day long. But that's when the parent has to know their child's strengths and abilities and make the suggestion to the IEP team to make the necessary adjustments that will best suit that child. And the fourth con is the obvious. This is definitely, especially middle school, high school, an open, easy path for bullying. But if the bullying protocol is followed properly and that child knows their bully didn't get away with their actions, that gives them a sense of security that they are being protected, not just because they have a different ability, but because it breaks the school rule to tolerate any act of bullying. So yeah, autistic children can absolutely attend a public school. They can grow and learn as long as they have the proper support. 
Some states, such as Texas, they even allow their students with autism to leave for appointments to go to ABA therapy, which is applied behavior analysis therapy that some school systems use. So the child can actually attend half days and attend ABA half days. And I don't know for sure, but I would think the school system actually pays for that ABA therapy. I mean, if the school system has a specific amount of hours per day that a student needs to be present, and they're allowing that student to receive services outside of the school during school hours, it would only make sense that they cover the cost because otherwise they would owe that student additional hours because of the time missed. In all honesty, it may be a hassle and you may put up a fight with the school system to pay for whatever services your child needs, but it's to their advantage to nip it in the bud because that is why they're paying way more than they needed to for my son to attend a residential school out of state. Because we're talking about out-of-state tuition rates and a residential placement expense. Not cheap, y'all, but you gotta be up for the fight. So to sum this all up, education for an autistic child or any special needs child varies and a quality education, believe it or not, lies in the parent's hand. Because the parent is the most important team member in that IEP meeting. Nothing can be done without the parent's approval, and I do mean nothing. The IEP team, they'll give you a lot of pushback and play hard, but remember, it's all about convenience and money. But if you complain enough and you're that squeaky wheel, no one likes to hear a squeaky wheel. My saying is, the squeaky wheel gets the oil and gets the job done, but the quiet wheel will rust miserably under the sun. Matter of a fact, I was so squeaky, I contacted my local senator's office to discuss my concerns. But that's a whole separate podcast. So that's going to wrap up this podcast for today and our discussion about autism and the public school education, the pros and cons. Next week, we're going to look at the pros and cons of the non-public placement, or rather the state-funded private schools that gear only towards special education. So I am Tabitha, your autism mom professional with a mission to open eyes and change lives throughout the world. If you'd like to learn more about me, check out my website at TabithaInspired.com. That's TabithaInspired.com. And don't forget to pre-order my new book, No Cross, No Crown, A Journey Through Autism, Bullying, and Spiritual Warfare. It's currently only available for pre-order on my site because the book was published a year ago and the publisher released the wrong book. So any sales anywhere else at this time is the incorrect version. I'm also going to post on my website the correct ISBN number so you will know that you are getting the right book. So as always, I encourage you all to tell your story so that you can make a difference and help someone else in the world. So our scripture reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This has been another Tabitha-inspired production. Peace and love, everyone. Until next time. 